So I read this week that only one in 10 Americans can tell more than four, recite more than four of the commandments, and they certainly can't do it in order. So we are going to minimize that, at least in our church, and read all 10 of them, the whole section, every single week while we're in this series. Hopefully some of them will stick. I have confidence that our church is um, a little more scripturally literate than, than that, but I will be reading this text, which if you want to follow along is Exodus 20 verses 1 through 21. And then Andy will read the gospel text. Then God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses God's name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. And therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your mother and your father, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And when all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of God upon you so that you do not sin. And then the people stood at a distance while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. All right. And then we read the gospel text from Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 13. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is dishonest also in much. Then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth. Who will entrust you to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Hmm. Hear what the Spirit is saying through the scriptures. Thanks be to God. Thanks so, to God. we have a lot to talk about today. This one is, as you said, very present. 
in our world, we seem to be idolizing a whole host of things that are not God. So I'm curious, Andy, as, as you read this and reflected on it this week, what was the single thing that you felt like drew your attention the most in this text around idols this week? Yeah, I, I think it's in, in verse four, hmm. um, where it says, you shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything. It's that word, anything. Anything in heaven, on earth, the water under the earth. Don't have anything be an idol. And uh, I, I think that what drew me to that is that we, um, right now, we have some very uh, easy things that we can point to when it comes to idolatry. People are, are uh, they're serving um, political figures and putting them at the forefront um, of what they will serve slash quote unquote worship, right? Um, and we, that's, that's easy pickings if we wanna start to criticize humanity for, uh, for idolatry. Uh, however, what was convicting to me is that this is one, and this is true of a lot of the Ten Commandments, but in particular, this is one that I don't think any of us can escape or say we don't somehow uh, fall victim to. Because I think if we're really genuine, if we're honest with, uh, with ourselves, we all have a tendency to put things above the true mysterious divine presence in the whole universe and within us that is that which we call God. We, we have all kinds of ways that we do that. And uh, that was particularly convicting to me because I, I, I mean, I would like to think that I've, um, you know, well, I don't put anything before God, God first, God first. That's just not true. Right off the top, I can say that probably I've put a few things this morning before God. Yeah. I found myself um, like all about idolatry even today. And I, I, when I say that, I mean, um, you, you mentioned this, and I think it's important to name some of the things that all of us can find ourselves um, holding up before God. So things like, things like money, things like people, things like, uh, like appearance, pleasure, um, security, safety, all of these things, when we put them before um, God, when they supplant what God might be calling us to, that's highly problematic. But we also do that even in the context of of our faith journey, even and maybe especially in the context of the church. Yeah, it gets uh, real tricky right? right around there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why, and this is what, what, what really I started when I, when I was reading this and starting to process, when I moved past the fact that, um, uh, that I, I wanted to point out that some people see the president as an idol. I, 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 when I can move past that, just, again, that's easy. Not even this but president, to... but just presidents, right? Yeah. Very good. Yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. We put um, our nation ahead of God all the time. 
even political figures, even religious figures, self-help gurus, all of those things, all yeah. of those folks, we can have a tendency to, to idolize. Yeah. Right? Even celebrities, we can have a tendency to idolize. There's a whole show called American Idol, for goodness sake, that we can point well, to and say. And it makes, it makes me wonder, you know, what you're pointing at is, what is an idol? Because mm -hmm. in the story here, the people turn right around and build a golden calf out of all of their jewelry, melt it down, and like, boop, let's worship this instead because God's out of sight, out of mind, and we need something to point our faith in. And so the question for me is like, okay, what is an idol? Because for me, it's not a golden calf made of all my jewelry. So right. clearly we have to extrapolate to now. And I start thinking about like, okay, what questions help me get underneath what I idolize? You listed some really important ones. And for it, the thing you said that it, it just pointed me in the direction of, oh, I start looking for other things to save me. You know, whatever it is that I'm like, oh, that'll save me. Oh, oh, that'll save my family. Oh, that'll save my sense of self. That'll, I'm going to go to that, you know, you said self-help guru and that's what triggered it for me. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> there's lots of places where, a lot of, we go where we're just like, yeah, God's not doing it for me right now. So I'm going to go with that avenue of salvation. And, and this is, it's what you just said there, doing it for me mm. is an indicator of why we turn to idols. It's when we, because I think secretly a lot of us have this desire. We want uh, our God to be transactional. And if, if, if we go back to, you know, um, to, to gods early on in the history of humanity, the whole idea of worshiping the sun god or the rain god was, it was transactional. I will worship, I will sacrifice to, I will do this in order that the sun god will provide sun and it will grow my crops. If, this, if I don't, then that. Then that. And if I don't, then I will be punished. Yeah. I won't have the good fortune that I'm hoping for. And I, I, I think that as much as we, we want to say, well, we have uh, developed in terms of human consciousness, we still find ourselves doing that yeah. because we want, we want peace and we want prosperity and we want health and we want goodness. And we, of course, those are natural desires of humans, but the way we figure we're going to get those is to, to go ahead and hit that vending machine that is yep. God, hit the right combination of buttons. And if I do that, then I can have this. It's why it's very natural to have a, a, an atonement theology, which looks something like if, you know, Jesus died because of my sins and paid the price. That so if I behave. In there. Yep. Then or if I, I say the right okay. combination of words. Yeah, if I say yep. the right combination of words, then I'm totally going to be okay. So it, all about having a transactional God, and we do that with, with the other things that we set up as idols as well. If I, I'm going to um, I'm gonna have more uh, uh, appreciation, people will appreciate me more if I look better. I'll have more, more power if I have more money. I'll have it. So these things are all about transaction to get something from God because I, the, the mysterious God of the universe is not um, tangible and there. And, and as you said, doing it for us. Can, can I, can I push back a little bit? Cause I think that, yeah, is, go for that it. makes total sense to me. And I think there's a second piece that catches some of us as well, 
which is okay. if we revisit that first set of verses, God says, you should do this because I liberated you from enslavement. I, and so, and then God, these are the only words that God speaks directly to the people because then they immediately go, Hey Moses, we're going to need you to mediate this. Cause that was really scary and frightening. And we're not sure what to do with that because they met mm -hmm. this like wild God of the cosmic universe in person and were completely overwhelmed and needed a mediator. Right. And so I think the transactional piece is really big. Like we want the vending machine. We want to hitch our wagon to the thing that's going to like get us where we want to go. But I also wonder if we have a list of idols that we worship that is because that God is too overwhelming. Like God asks things of us or demands our lives to be a certain way or, or encourages us to take risks on behalf of the oppressed on behalf of our own salvation, on behalf of our own liberation, our own freedom, that we're like, actually, if you could just make it a little bit less intimidating and small, um, that would be cool for me. And I would also much rather worship this thing over here that I can control a little bit because I cannot control that. And so there's this, there's this sense for me that like some of it is about I want to get what I want to get. And some of it is about, I'm just overwhelmed by the immensity of a God that is truly the God of everything. Does that make any sense whatsoever? No, that, I, no I, I get that. I get that. And yet, I, I guess my take on that is, I don't know if, if folks are overwhelmed by God as much as... Um, it's more convenient to have many gods oh. and to check into, right? Like it's why um, people would have idols, two different things. I'm totally good on this, but I need some more of this. So I'll go to this God and I'll do this thing. Um, and I'll really lean into that because just being okay with the presence of God alone not God doing things for you, not God speaking to you, just God with you is not enough and also mm -hmm. takes more practice. Because we can look to, um, if we have a transactional God, then we can look and we can go, hey, I asked for this, I got this, cha-ching, there's God. Yeah. Versus, so there's evidence of that versus being content, this is why I go back to contemplation and practice, continually just seeking, not a God that does, that we know God does, but just a God who is and is present with us. And I think that is more difficult and takes more practice and takes a different mode of, of prayer and, and a different way of trusting God than just, I'm going to ask God for this, like I would ask whatever idol I've set up, I would ask my money to make me happy or to provide all the things. And I would ask, you know, my, my nation, my country to, to serve me in this way and to provide this. Does, does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think that what you're pointing at is we really, we want to be able to manage God. Yeah. Right. We want to be able yeah. to do that. And sometimes I don't think we do that on our own behalf 
um, I think we're taught that, you know, these people have come out of Egypt. They have been mm -hmm. controlled, abused, shaped by, brainwashed by Pharaoh. And the mm -hmm. culture that, you know, we can use Pharaoh as sort of a coverall for the things that enslave us. And so in some ways, Pharaoh is an idol in, in that way. Um, but it is to the benefit of evil, and I will use that word specifically, it's to the benefit of evil for us to fall into the trap of idols. Because when we're invited by whatever is enslaving us, by Pharaoh, to uh, idolize things, we're distracted from our purpose in the world, which is to be in real relationship, which is what the 10 matters, the 10 commandments is really about. Like mm -hmm. Pharaoh wants us to idolize the wrong things. Pharaoh wants us to point ourselves away from the God of the universe, wants us to be distracted, wants us to pour our God-given energy and devotion into places that will suck us dry, keep us docile and off-center, unable to fight mm -hmm. for, or even sometimes recognize what is right and good and holy and just. And I think that there's a it's sort of a, um, an, a tactic to provide us with different options of idols and say, it's like giving a child a piece of candy when you don't want them to like, you know, be screaming over here. Like you're just distracting me with this little thing that really mm -hmm. isn't getting me what I want, but it's going to distract me long enough to get me off of your back and not paying attention to what is really happening. Right. There's this mm. sort of over, and we don't talk a lot about, uh, cosmic spirituality and the, you know, the forces of good and evil in this faith community. We don't t you talk about sin as often, but I feel the real presence of evil in the world. And I think we are all experiencing that and the ways in which we can be distracted from our real vocation as Christians, because we're, we're, we're attending to our little idols and we're moving around deck chairs on the Titanic. That's so, that's so, so good. And I think that actually that should be convicting for those of us who've been around the church for any length of time at all, hmm. because we, we have a tendency to build, we call, we speak in the church world of sacred cows regularly, yeah. right? Um, so, but we hold up things like the Bible, like our particular set of doctrines, our creeds, our worship style, like May I interrupt? all of those are our Even building physical representations of the 10 commandments on public property. Very good. Right. That we turn into these idols instead of being things that point us towards something deeper and richer. And as you say, cosmic, we're content. We hold to these things and we say, this is the way to God. Or maybe ultimately what we're saying is this is our God. This yeah. is the only thing we know that we can touch and feel it's tangible, which may, which was really interesting when we're in a time of pandemic when we can't have those things yeah. in the same way we always have. And it, it's forcing us to reexamine what is essential when it comes to, um, to, to experiencing God and also embodying. Cause that's the other thing we're called to is, is to, follow God, but also to be the body of Christ and embody the very presence of God here on earth. What does that look like? Does it look like holding on to a particular version of scripture and, and adhering to a particular set of doctrines? Or does it look like something deeper and bigger and more mysterious? Yeah. So 
The core question um, seems to be, does it make you free? Yeah. If it doesn't yeah. make you or does it more constrain free, you? then we might be looking at an idol, right? And that we have a God who starts this scripture off with, I major in freedom. This is my job in the world yeah. is to free people. I freed you. And so, but we seem intent on falling back into multiple kinds of slavery and idolizing yeah. is a form of slavery. And so God is always trying to pull us out of that in that enslavement that we seem to like feel comfort in for yeah. some reason. And that means other people's freedom too. Like we, when we aren't free ourselves, we enslave other people to our idols and we make them at their behalf, you know, worship them. And, um, the struggle seems to be like, we've been set free in this walk alongside right. in the wilderness with God. Yeah. Um, we said that last week. Yeah. yeah. We've been mm -hmm. set free. We are free. Um, this is how we stay free. Right. Yeah. And so I, yeah. I wonder about, you know, why we do this. I think some of it is about the transaction. I think some of it is boxing God in and really wanting to mm -hmm. like, not let God be free to be what God is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Say more because you you had a we were talking about this and your point on this. I just love. Get, please get into that. That was good. Well, I mean, what if no idols and this word about not idolizing is really about letting God be God? Um, because yeah. we know that we we worship a living God. We don't worship a static, fixed, you know, easy to define entity that I can like put on a shelf and just look at every once in a while and go to when I want something. Um, mm -hmm. But even if we don't talk about idols as other things we worship, but as a way we learn to worship this God, because like we, we make a picture of God and then we, we, that's God. This is the image of God that I have, right. Or a label for God. This is the only way God can be described. So even if it's not things, but it's an idea about God, we're really walking into an idolizing situation and so I want, and we're boxing God in, we're making God smaller than God is. So I just wonder if, and this is the question that struck me the most in this uh, conversation around idols is what if this isn't just about our freedom, but it's about God's freedom. What if uh, when we engage in idol worship, whatever we're worshiping, that isn't God, what we're saying is, God, I need you to be in this little box. And I don't want you to be so wild. I don't want you to be so creative. And what we're doing when we're idolizing is we're actually hampering God's ability to freely like be in the world mm -hmm. in a really powerful way. And when we're missing God's action and activity in the world, it's in part because we have told God, we want you to be small. There's just a question for me in that. If God is in this dialogue with us in such a way that God said, you told me you wanted me to be small. You have mm -hmm. practiced that and you have made it so that I'm actually in some ways, and this is like process theology and not everybody attends to this kind of theology, but the question remains like, does God sometimes say, you clearly have said what you want and that is for me to not be powerful. You want to worship other things. I don't understand that because why wouldn't you want to be free? But in the meantime, here's what you get when that happens that's the consequences to the third and fourth generation is that you don't yeah, get to yeah. God's see my gonna... full power yeah it's the punishment it, and you if you read that one way it is god's threat but it i think read well in the sense of this is a choice is look this is the punishment and i'm right there 
I'm always there. I haven't gone away, but you've made this choice. Yeah. This and, is the, and, this is the outcome of that choice. If not the punishment for it, it's a consequence. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I personally, uh, I really resonate with that. Um, I, I really resonate with that. I think that that's, um, because of the number of ways that I've watched us, and I'll say all of humanity, try to box, manage, hold God, to hear these words from the Ten Commandments as I've set you free, but also this is how I'm set free to be yeah. a God beyond which that which you can imagine. You can never conceive. Yeah. And also still a very present, personal, practical God who's going to say, I'm way above all of this. I don't even have a name. I just am. I am who I am. But also, I care about you and the practical nature of loving me and loving one another enough to say, here's some guidelines. Yeah. Here's some things, some matters to consider when it comes to relating to me. Because as huge as I am, I still want to be in relationship. And I want you all to be in a healthy relationship. I love that. I, I think, think that's, that's good news. Awesome. Oh, absolutely. I think that's truly good news. And I think that there's further good news, which is if we don't engage in idol worship of any kind, then we get to see God be what God is fully mm-hmm. willing and capable of being. And so if we want the world to be different, we got to change our relationship. The good news is we can change our relationship to idols and change, mm-hmm. therefore, how the world operates because God is ready and waiting for that activity and being like, let, you know, let's do this together. You got to get undistracted. Yeah. I think yeah. that's great news, not just good news. Absolutely. We're improving on the good news okay. this morning. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Have mercy. <laughs> any, any, yeah, don't, yeah, have mercy, folks. Um, any other final thoughts, Andy, before we introduce questions? Uh, no, that's a great thought to leave on. I just love that thinking about our, our own freedom in this, in being freed from idolatry and also uh, God's freedom when we, we, we choose to, to leave behind uh, these idols. I just, that, that's, those are amazing thoughts. So I, I think we should move to just some questions to ask folks. Um, we got two of them, yep. two questions that come out of uh, this conversation about idolatry. The first one is this, and I love the way you phrase this, Jules. You wrote this one. What is an idol really? What is an idol really? How would you personally define it? And then the second one, what do you catch yourself idolizing? What are the idols that we've been worshiping, that you've been worshiping, that I've been worshiping, that have been revealed as false recently? What have you seen recently that is this uh, false God that you've perhaps stood in the way of you and the, the God of the universe? Yeah, a couple of... Oof. We'll see how that goes. Can't wait to hear people's answers. Next week, we get Absolutely. to talk about um, using the Lord's name in vain. So we'll be really passionately engaged in that one. 
that's going to be a fun one. I'm going to, you and I are both going to maybe have to resist the urge to just swear. We're going to have to resist the urge to do a lot of things yeah. next week. <laughs> Let me pray for us as well as our people yeah. as we sing them out. And um, you'll, you'll sing the benediction for us, I think, at the end. Yeah. And then we'll be uh, complete for the morning. But let me pray. God of all of us, thank you for staying in this with us, even as we are willingly distracted by so many things that we put above you and name as you. It, it, I can only imagine how frustrating it is to watch us continually worship things that harm us, things that harm other people. We give thanks for your steadfast love, your persistence, your assurance, your comfort, and yes, your guidance. We pray that you will open our eyes to the places that we are worshiping false gods that you will teach us a different way to walk and help us together as we walk this journey with you beyond the wilderness into liberation, beyond Egypt into liberation. We give thanks for all of those blessings and we give thanks for the ways in which you have already freed us. Amen. Amen. I invite you to sing. Uh, to and with one another as we close our time with our, our standard benediction. Let's sing together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make God's face to shine upon you and be gracious, gracious gracious to you the lord lift up god's countenance upon you and give you give you give you Be safe, continue to love and serve the Lord. We love you and miss you. Miss you. Happy Sunday. <laughs>